0: welcome back to Dear Money, I am Ryan Booker. and wow. I'm Alex Gong. and on today's episode, we're going to talk about liquidity, and we're going to, I guess, more to the point today, we're going to discuss what we mean by it, to define it, as well as really dive into what it does for you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: This is a, it's a term that's thrown around a ton, and people may not have the same definition of this that you and I do.
0: Before we dive into that though, Alex, what are we drinking?
1: Ooh, we're drinking one of my favorite beers. This is a Serengeti wheat. It is a Hefeweizen. It's like a Northwest Hefeweizen uh, from a company called Mac and Jack's. We had this beer at my wedding and uh, it has a special place in my heart.
0: That's a hot alcohol content, not drastically high. It's 5.1. So rather low from the standpoint of uh, craft uh, beer, craft beers here in Washington, uh, i use 19.5, so not, not a ton of IDU there um, from a taste standpoint, Alex, in terms of the, the traditional Hefeweizens that are out there, what are yeah, your I mean, thoughts? So this, it's a cloudy, it's
1: an unfiltered wheat beer. So, I mean, it's, it's just that really good, enjoyable, hearty Hefeweizen. Uh, it'll fill you up and make you feel good.
0: <laughs> Which is always lovely to feel good at, at the end of the beverage. For sure. <laughs> so definitely try them out. They're out of uh, Redmond, Washington. Um, so if you're in that area, stop by. And I know I've gone to their brewery several times, and it's a nice spot to swing by and try their, their different samples and try their Serengeti wheat. So let's jump into the, the topic today. So when we're talking about liquidity, Alex, um, you know, financial advisors, we love to throw that terminology around. And I think for the most people, point, people kind of understand liquidity although they question um, you know whether or not they should have that amount available to them or maybe too little available not sure which direction we can go there everyone's slightly different <laughs> in that aspect but let's define liquidity let's start there yeah so when we talk about liquidity
1: what we're talking about is an asset that we can get access to without fees and penalties. And in a relatively short period of time, we would define that as two weeks or less. So if we can get access to it within two weeks and we don't have to jump through a ton of hoops, pay a whole bunch of fees and penalties to access the asset, this is what we're talking about. So like, there are a a bunch of different things that fall into this category. And like, we 100% don't want this to be uh, an asset that is opinion based we don't want it to be able to be taken away from us so i mean that kind of limits some of the options i mean think about this like traditionally people think of dollars in the bank right
0: yeah so you know traditionally i think a lot of people think okay i need to have an emergency fund that's what they're they're really considering as as liquid which it is right because it's sitting in a, in a savings account which you could literally get access to that day right, right. so definitely liquid the amount that's typically sitting in there, you know, you'll hear advisors say somewhere between three and six months of expenses um, sitting in that account. I'm not sure that we necessarily disagree with that statement. Um, the statement that we may have uh, a, a different point of view is how much liquidity to have, um, whereas that's just what to, how much to have sitting in a savings account, three months or six months of, of expenses makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, three months minimum is kind of the, the approach that we would take there. And, and after that, like so much of this winds up boiling down to personal preference in terms of where dollars sit and what you're trying to accomplish with it. Like if you have, if your income is highly volatile, you should probably have more. If your income is super regular and like, hey, once a year we get a bonus or something like that, like, okay, great. Three months is probably going to be just fine for you. It really just depends on circumstance.
0: Yeah, more to what, what we get a lot of like, every time I say it, I, I see the person on the end, their head kind of tilts a little bit like, oh, that's, that's a different number. We suggest having 12 months of your gross income available to you in liquid form, right? So if you make $100,000 a year, our suggestion is to have access to $100,000. Now, what that doesn't mean and what most people hear when we say that is, "Oh, I should have a hundred thousand dollars sitting in my savings account."
1: And we then typically have to deal with the, but that doesn't get any rate of return. Heck, we on our podcast talk about bank accounts getting zero point nothing. So,
0: and we're not saying that we don't mean have a hundred thousand dollars. Now we do mean having three months of expenses sitting in your savings account. But then the other nine months, if you will, or the other, you know, the other amount of money to, that equates to your gross income can be elsewhere as long as you can get access to it in that two week period and not have a high, a high tax and hopefully low, low fees, if not any fees and low volatility. So Correct. Like, like there are some of these
1: things that we're going to talk about that like, don't innately have a low volatility, like. Sure, some of them do, and some of them
0: don't. So helping folks understand kind of what the difference between some of that is. Yeah, Before we get into the, the different types of assets that, that, that would match that definition that we have for liquidity, let's talk about why we came up with 12 months of gross income. Why is that the number, Hawks?
1: So if we've got 12 months, we can stomach going through most circumstances. It gives us a long ramp 12 months or more in all likelihood, if something happens to us, we lose our income for whatever reason, a pandemic hits, we lost our job, the, the, our business changed, whatever occurred in all likelihood, we can have at least some ability to change our spending habits. And we would do that relatively quickly.
0: Yeah, so Alex brought up the, the negative side of, of what could happen and why we're suggesting 12 months. I'm going to bring the positive side of this, right? So here's something that hit me the other day is we've, we're in this, this weird economy right now here in America where people are not choosing to go back to work right now. Some right. people have to go back to work and some people are choosing not to go back to work. If you have 12 months of income or you have access to, what does that allow you to do from the standpoint of, you know what? I didn't like, I don't like my job. I want another job or, you know, what type of flexibility does that give you from where, what you want to do for a living?
1: Well, I mean, let's take it one step further, Ryan, and, and talk about what other choices can we make because of the existence of that liquidity? Like it gives us a warm safety blanket. And so in all likelihood, we'll feel more comfortable investing our other dollars, perhaps a little bit more aggressively because we know we don't need to touch them. Alternatively, people, if an opportunity jumps up and lands in our lap, wow, Like now we have liquidity to be able to take advantage of that.
0: People tend to focus on that $100,000 figure, whatever your your 12 months of income equate to they focus on, well, that's a lot of money sitting around doing nothing. A, it's not all of your money sitting around doing nothing, but from a rate of return standpoint, having that money there and what you just said allows you to do so much more with your other money that most people wouldn't be comfortable doing.
1: Yeah, and you're talking to the folks that have a hundred K of income. Like a lot of our clients wind up with 250, 500 more of income. And so now like that number really kind of smacks them in the face and like they're looking at it going, Ooh, that's, that's a bunch of cash sitting on the sidelines.
0: In the end, it provides flexibility, a ton of opportunity and that safety blanket that like, that's priceless. I don't know if you could put <laughs> a rate of return number on all of what we just said there. Like really think about that because we just went over that real quick but I want you, for the listeners driving, whatever, think about it. if you had that amount of money sitting in the account, what could you be doing with your other money that you may be not comfortable doing currently?
1: Well, an example that pops to mind for me is we recently had a client who towards the beginning of the pandemic had, a, had you know, liquidity and a house that they had been looking at and thinking of popped onto the market at a reasonable price. And because they had the cash to be able to do something, they were able to make a change and pick up the home of their dreams at a reasonable price because of the circumstances, because they had liquidity when other people didn't.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, right? It allows you to do and take advantage of opportunities that you, most likely wouldn't be able to do otherwise. For sure. So now that we discussed why this 12 month figure, right? Now let's talk about, you know, we've already spoken about a savings account, which we're suggesting three to six months normally, right? That you might want more there, depending on your job as Alex brought up. Or Or depending on
1: how aggressive or conservative you are. And some people really like having a boatload of cash. Yeah. That's fine.
0: Where else can they put money That would suffice our definition of liquidity, Alex.
1: Sure. So there's really only two other structures or vehicles, and both of them come with a fairly large caveat. Uh, The two other structures are permanent life insurance and a low volatility brokerage account. Now, I've already put a disclaimer on the second one, low volatility. Um, And like with this, we're talking about something that is predominantly fixed income. And like, we don't want to, we want to make sure that there's not a bunch of fees to get into it or to get out of it. Uh, We need to make sure that we understand, okay, what type of volatility is there inside of the investments that we're putting in that a, a brokerage account is just like a folder. We can put any number of different investments in there. Some of which are super volatile. Others are not volatile at all. And so it really just depends on what we're looking for and how we're structuring it. And so over time, that mix can change depending upon what else we've got going on in our circumstance and situation.
0: And the second one that you brought up was probably life insurance, which, right, the caveat, it's life insurance first, right? So this is a life insurance product. In that product, it does provide an asset that's called cash value. And that cash value is accessible to you. That accessibility is what really follows under our definition of liquidity, and it's doing something better than zero point nothing.
1: Right. And it depends greatly upon what type of permanent life insurance you have. Some are not going to meet our definition because they are volatile by nature. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that they're more like a traditional investment where you've got more potential for upside, but more potential for downside. And therefore it doesn't meet the definition that we've set out of liquidity because it's a, an opinion-based asset as opposed to a promise-based asset.
0: So life doesn't happen linearly. And if, if, we're, you know, if we're sitting down and we're talking to a 35-year-old person right they they normally have their savings account and they normally have their 401k right at work right that that's the the traditional person that that you will hear out there and they might have their emergency fund set up in their savings account that 3 to 6 months they are contributing to their 401k right those are their two buckets of money if you will short term bucket being savings a long term bucket being that 401k The stereotype, we'll go stereotypes here. Let's just say this person is going to retire at age 65. So that's a 30-year time horizon. What could possibly happen in 30 years that this person might want extra money that's not sitting in their savings account?
1: You, do you want me to just throw out a list of things? <laughs> hold, hold on.
0: Yeah. It, it, the list goes on and on and on. And so... This midterm bucket that Alex and I constantly talk to clients having is those two different styles that we just mentioned that provides everything that we've already gone over because life doesn't happen linearly. How many clients do you know, Alex, that their first home purchase was actually taking money or taking a loan from their 401k? A
1: bunch. A bunch. Sometimes it was a good thing. And sometimes it was the timing on it was not good. I mean, if you borrowed money against your 401k shortly after the market dropped in 08 and put it into a housing market that was about to drop, like you got hit
0: twice by that. Well, I'll take that one step further. Ask the client So, why'd you put money in the 401k? Well, for my retirement is the answer that we get. Okay but you just took it out to buy your home. Well, we wanted to right? Things change. And they're hundred percent right. We're not saying that this is like completely wrong and they're, they're horrible people. This is only <laughs> explaining my point around if you have different buckets of money, it allows all of this flexibility and maybe you never have to touch that 401k.
1: So I just had this wonderful image pop into my head of you berating somebody for being <laughs> a terrible person. <laughs>
0: Our listeners probably think like, man, I don't want to be Ryan's client. He braids people. And, that, and that's not at all what I do. It's just, it's honest questions. And most of the time they go, I'd never thought about that. No one's ever told me to have a midterm bucket. They tell me, well, my first dollar should go in my 401k.
1: And then so much of it winds up being as this conversation around rate of return and like chasing rate of return. And it is, it's one of those things where until you actually experience a need for liquidity, you have no concept of how big of an issue this can be when you don't have it. And like, it's one of those things where even if we get, like, even if we're talking to a client about this midterm bucket and creating a low volatility uh, bucket, you know, whichever route we go, and then... Like, we don't need it. Most of the time, we still have clients come back and, and ask the question, like, hey, what would have happened if? And it's like, well, okay, sure, we can play that game until we're blue in the face. We all would have bought Microsoft in 85. We all would have sold it in 99. And then we all would have rebought it, you know, in the downturn of 08. Like, we can play the what if game all day long. Uh, by the way, we, we weren't recommending that to clients. That's just a, an example. Um, and like the only thing that I can tell you for sure is that we're going to get the timing wrong on stuff like that. It, it's not possible to properly time the market uh, because of all that.
0: So these are all of the reasons that we talk about having liquidity, right? And these are also all the reasons why we talk about having 12 months of your income accessible to you, right? And, and really it comes down to just ultimate flexibility in planning because life doesn't happen the way that you draw it out.
1: Yeah, and it, it's also important to, to understand, Ryan, like it's not as though we just snap our fingers and this liquidity is suddenly there. I mean, if we're making $300,000 a year and we currently have 30K in our savings account, well, we probably feel pretty good about that. And we have a long way to go to build proper liquidity and that's okay. It's not like financial planning is very much something that we do over time and work towards. It's not, oh, knee-jerk reaction of hey, we've got to sell our big stock portfolio to you know move dollars into like this ultra conservative account. No, like let's make sure that we're doing things in a systematic manner to create liquidity and we've got stop gaps in place and have the conversations around, hey, what would happen if something occurred and how are we going to deal with it so that we can proactively make these decisions and choices. So if something occurs, we're now not reacting to it going, oh crap, how do we deal with this?
0: Exactly. So I guess that's a perfect segue, Alex, here to the question of the day.
1: Our question today is where's is your liquidity?
0: So stop and take a look at where your money, the reason I pause there is like, I really want that to sit in, right? Like really think about, okay, how much of your money do you really have access to, right? Which is what we're defining there as liquidity. So head over to beerandmoney.net. And at the bottom of the page, there's a spot for you to fill out that question today. The there's also some spots there for you to engage with us. If you've got questions around today's topic or any other topic that we've had on a prior episode, uh, you can reach out to us that way. As always, Mr. Collins, we hope this episode was valuable.
1: Cheers.
2: This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice guest, speakers, and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or quantified Financial or partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax legal or accounting advice. Consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ-333, North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, Nova Finna, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Bonafide Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Berklo, AR Insurance License, number 15319412, CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699, CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2021, 127806, expiration October 2023.